back to another N2P podcast. Flying at the minute in lockdown, smashing them out. Um, a bit of an impromptu one today. Um, I've been meaning to get this this guy on for well a few months now. Um, if you don't know, this is Tom. Tom was part of a mental health documentary that I was a part of last year. Royal Team Talk. I've mentioned it in, uh, in dispatches, I think, on the feeds and stuff. Um, but yeah, we met during the, the documentary and um, I've been meaning to get the lads on. We've been meaning to meet up and have a beer and have a bit of a chat. But we're, it's just sponsoring another. It's never kind of worked out. But I thought I'd grab him and get him to share his story and have a bit of a chat. So, Tom, I, I see you, you've, you've spotted hey, you, you spot the COVID cut. Yeah, COVID cut, COVID tan. I had to get rid of the task. The missus was there. Absolutely raging, so that had to go. But um, yeah, I think everyone's gone for the old uh, big cut, haven't they? How are you doing? How, 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 how's lockdown treating you? Good? Yeah, I, I've been back at work for quite a while now. So um, for me, it, it was good to get back to normal. But I think it's affected different people in different ways. And I'm lucky I've got a good family at home and the weather's been nice, isn't it? which makes a difference yeah. so I can get outside yeah. in the garden or whatever. But I think if we'd had six weeks of rain or 12 weeks of white rain or whatever, it'd be a different story, wouldn't it? <laughs> Um, so I just want to kind of start at the beginning, well not at the beginning, but obviously um, just kind of your early days Tom, like where did you grow up, what was what was school like, was there any kind of early school growing up and stuff? School, no, school was pretty good, um, I mean my, I look back and think like, yeah I, was, I wasn't an A star student, I probably had the potential to be, but I was lazy, I was one of those typical lads that just if you put a put like give me a football or anything like that, I was interested, but if you gave me a pen and a piece of paper I'd laugh at you. Um, but yeah, I think well, I, my parents separated when I was in primary school, so that affected me in primary school a little bit. Just that uh, feeling of reject, rejection, I suppose. And then, but other than that, there was no real signs of it. Um, probably until I think puberty is different for a bloke, isn't it? I think you start getting a bit hormonal in your sort of teens. But yeah, like, to be honest, school life was pretty good. Um, sport was my saving grace. But uh, yeah, it was alright. What, what was your what did you play? Because I met, you mentioned on TV show, didn't you? You played pretty much everything you could get your hands on, wasn't it? Football, cricket. Um, it kept me out of trouble. I mean, me and my brother were like growing up, we were just a nightmare. Like we were just oh, yeah. like those those typical kids that would throw ourselves off of anything. Yeah. Uh, if there was something to be climbed, we'd climb it. Um, if there was two tough kids in town, we wanted to go and have a crack at them. Um, that was basically us growing up. We just didn't we didn't really shy away from anything. So sport was really our our escape, I suppose, because otherwise we would have been in all sorts of trouble. Um, and I have to say, like, my mum, single parent, if it wasn't for her, both of us would probably end up in prison, which sounds like an exaggeration, but we were a nightmare. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it was always good fun. When did you notice anything was a little bit a little bit different, Tom? Was it kind of early days or was it kind of a little bit further on? Um, I think hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? Um, for me, I do a lot of... Now I'm working in the sort of industry I'm working. I look back and I'm doing a lot of studying around it. And I think I probably grew up with quite a fixed mindset. Uh, I was scared of failure, um, which wasn't something that I was used to, but sort of came in my teenage, mid-teens. Uh, so I'd shy away from um, probably stuff that I knew I wasn't very good at. Um, and that's where I started noticing things where I'd like, I'd, I'd skip a day of school because I knew I had something that was quite difficult. Yeah. Um, and it was just, just generally, that was it. it. I wouldn't class it as any sort of mental health issues at that point, but it was definitely, there was early signs that I was 
my fight or flight was flight and yeah. um which was alien to me because like i've just said like everything for me growing up was fight we'll just give it a go uh but i think as i started changing as i started growing up things became a little bit more difficult to process yeah i was i was very similar to you i, I like i kind of well i think getting with the wrong crowd i think i was kind of a bit like you you know anything i found tough at school or anything like that i'd just sack it off like yeah it's just just weird how it kind of worked out but yeah me, me and my brother were very similar like just played we played cricket till it went dark and then we played on the super nintendo until until yeah. you know what i mean anything we could anything we could do we just we just kind of found our way into it and stuff and mm. but yeah I was, we was very similar to you like I, I my brother was pretty much inseparable until obviously a bit later on in life and stuff so um so you talk about sport was sport kind of a big passion early on and obviously we'll go into what you do now a bit later on but was sport your kind of thing you always kind of led towards yeah i think uh quite fortunate my my mum's dad my granddad was um massively into his sport he was a good cyclist um enjoyed playing a bit of football and things like that like never professional or anything like that but he was always around footballers and things like that so he sort of encouraged us but i think to be honest it was just the way of my mum getting us out of her hair so it was like every club. So it was like Monday was something, Tuesday was something else, Wednesday was something else. Do you know what I mean? Whatever we were doing, it was like you had to keep these boys active. Um, and it just sort of went from there. And I found that uh, something that you probably agree with, you make better friends through hobbies and similar interests than you do school. I don't talk to anyone I went to school with, but I still talk to a few lads who used to play football with, cut lads I might have gone boxing with, cricket or whatever. So for me, you know, it was such an important part of growing up. Um, and yeah, it was passion. I think it was. I'm a competitive person, probably like yourself, and mm. you know, I hate losing. So for me, it was like get that grit in your teeth and give it a go. But you, you need like team sports so important. I think the kids lose that now because they're all stuck in the games a little bit, and the world's changing. And especially with this lockdown, I do feel sorry for them because um, at this stage of life, I don't really care if I'm on my own. But <laughs> as a kid, I needed those people around me. Yeah, it's it's so true. Like I, I, I'm, I, I think I speak so. I, spent, I think I speak to one person I grew up with at school. One person, I think. Yeah. Only because I see him on Facebook every now and then and I ask him how they're doing. That's about it, really. But, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, Matty, who, who was one of the guys on the podcast, I played cricket with him when he was 14, 15. I've just been yeah, with right, and stuff, innit? And um, the odd kids I used to play, like, football with, I, I speak to. And I'm totally, I totally agree with sport. I think sport's brilliant. I think it's such a social thing. And especially if you're like kind of struggling as a kid, like I was, or kind of anything kind of mental health wise, when you were a little bit younger, bullied at school, sport is brilliant for you. It's mm. so good. It gives you that competitive edge, doesn't it? Don't you think? Like, I think there's that mutual respect as well. You're on a level playing field. So it doesn't matter what background you come from. It doesn't matter. And that's the good thing. Like I think football, boxing, whatever it is, rugby. Like, it doesn't matter what car you get dropped off in by your mum and dad. It doesn't matter what has happened the night before. Everything's forgotten. You're all there as a team. And I don't think there's many platforms that can provide that. Yeah, it's really good. I'd, I'd push any kind of young lad into, into sport. I think it's good because you, you find a passion early doors, don't you? It kind of focuses your mind on something a bit different. So if you have had a bad yeah. day at school, I don't know. The thing is, a lot of people making money out of sport now as well. That you actually, yeah. sorry, my missus just walked past. <laughs> this out of me. Um, yeah, I think like 
a lot of people making money out of sport now. So there's, there's a platform for life afterwards as well. Do you know what I mean? I've worked in sport since I was sort of 15, 16. So it's been, yeah, it's definitely given me a, a stepping stone into adulthood and adult life. Um, and you can learn a lot. Like we sat there, I think, the night before we did a documentary, didn't we? We had sort of like what you call a coaching conversation over a light beer. <laughs> and it was, but that we had something in common straight away, didn't we? Yeah, it was weird. It was weird that. Because I knew, I knew, we'll get into it a bit later on, but yeah, I knew Archie and he said, oh, here, here's Tom and here's Paul. And I was like, oh, how are we doing, boys? Oh, what we're watching, it was Spurs. I was like, oh, right, okay. And then we have yeah. nearly 90% of us were Spurs fans. <laughs> yeah, we're all sat there going, oh, Danny Rose is looking a bit tired. <laughs> Mixed leg turns up. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was so surreal. Um, so, when was, the, when was the point you noticed that something wasn't quite right, Tom, was it? What was it for you? Was it a little bit of kind of depression? Was it anxiety? What was it? What did you, what did you notice? Any kind of different signs? Any, any triggers? Just a lack of motivation, really. Was it? Um, yeah, it was, yeah, it's a t- tough one to describe, isn't it, really? Yeah, I think it's just a bit of self-doubt, I suppose. Um, sometimes that can be quite difficult. Um, but also, I think but what, the language you use in your own head is really important, isn't it? Um, and that language changed all of a sudden and made it made things very difficult. Because I think you, I think oh, well, I read a book recently about the, I think you heard the five-second rule about the first yeah. five seconds when you wake up is the most important part of your day, and how. That, that five, four, three, two, one in the morning can make a massive difference. And I think that language that was being used was completely alien to me and it was just, yeah, it was crap to be honest with you. Because um, I set myself up completely wrong. Um, but I think, like you said about getting in with the wrong crowd, I think I had the wrong people around me. Yeah. It was a very sort of, um, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it was social, but it was social in the wrong way. Everyone was boozing. Uh, there was no sort of positive uh improving each other and the people you surround yourself with can be really important can't it absolutely yeah yeah it's, it's a big influence on your life when you're that that kind of age isn't it like who you can hang around with and stuff and yeah it can kind of lead you in different ways and influence kind of how you think like that especially mm. if everyone i suppose it's a thing in it when you're 16 17 18 you get a beer and women don't you and yeah it's that crosswords i think especially in you see most sportsmen, don't you, like, when they get to a certain age and they go, oh, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't kick on at football because I noticed we were in women. It's just... True, though. I yeah, think for me, I was, playing like, I was playing, like, elite sport at the time, um, playing decent level of football and all that, and then doing, doing boxing, doing cricket and things like that. Um, some of it was just for enjoyment. Some of it I actually saw a career in. And then all of a sudden, I was just, like, started getting distracted, didn't you? But um, I was still doing all right at it. And then obviously, uh, under car accident when I was just turned eighteen, so that was a that was a big one. That was a massive one. Um, but yeah, I think I look back at it now and I feel like a bit of a wasted opportunity. But then, yeah, it was good. I so, enjoyed it while I did it. What was it? Well, where was it then? Was you at Cambridge? Because we we filmed the documentary at Cambridge, and um, was you at Cambridge then? Then was you? Yeah, so I was between Cambridge and Gillingham at the time. Yeah. Um, so I was playing a decent, decent level. I was obviously playing like, still playing local stuff. But um, yeah, it was, there was the opportunity to step up to, to a better standard. And I was playing a better standard as well and enjoying it. Um, but it was, yeah, just uh, I was always on the brink. It was never quite 
good enough. Do you know what I mean? I was a physical lad. You see the size of me. I'm not exactly the smallest guy in the room. So I was always that horrible Vinnie Jones-esque player, but I was never um, never quite a technical Raheem Sterling or whatever. <laughs> so you mentioned about your car crash and stuff, and obviously it's a massive part of your life, isn't it? It's a big kind of... It's the kind of uh, kind of change your life, didn't it? it? It really did change your life in in, in an instant. Um, do you remember much of it? Do you kind of what led up to it? Probably um, more than I'd like to remember. To be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I remember. So I got my car was hit by someone else. I went up a bank on the side of a road. I then rolled the car. I don't remember. As soon as the car hit me, I don't remember anything after that. Yeah. I then woke, I woke up in a field. No one around me. Um, it's quite early in, early in the morning, so I was like, I've been uh, babysitting for someone at the time. That sort of age I was, do you know what I mean? And then um, woke up. And then couldn't, couldn't find my phone. I was trying to find the deck. I could call an ambulance. And I, was about, I knew I was about whereabouts I was. I was a bit dazed and confused. And I thought, I'm going to have to walk home here. And bearing in mind, I was like, I can't even remember how many breaks in my body. I managed to sort of drag myself home. Got home. Um, I couldn't find my keys because I'd left them in the car. <laughs> so I'm banging on my mum's door. Um, and to sort of paint a picture, I was wearing like a grey jacket and a pair of light jeans. And she opened the door and I was just covered in claret. I had blood all over me. So it was something like a horror film at like three o'clock in the morning. So you can imagine my mum scream. She's yeah. got absolutely mental. Um, and then I just, that was it. I don't remember much after that. Um, remember going to hospital, but not a great deal, to be honest with you. Um, not for about a week after that. So, yeah, it was quite tough, but it was, um, you talk about how you deal with trauma, don't you? And I think it's how you organise it and look back on it. And that was really um, difficult for quite a while. But now I sort of know how, like, there was no mistakes there. Was I didn't do anything wrong. It was just how it was. Yeah. Um, so it had a massive, it, it did, didn't it? It really did have a massive, especially at 18, like you said, yeah. massive impact on your life. and. What was the kind of process afterwards? How did you feel afterwards? Was you? <coughs> it was a lot of medical. Like, it was mainly it was medical. Yeah. Like so physical. So I didn't really even like look at the psychological things. Um, I hadn't really taken on board what it was going to do to me uh, down the long road. I had some doctors saying I wasn't going to walk. I had doctors saying that I was going to lose my arm. Uh, we had one surgeon at the local hospital turned around and said um mate we're gonna have to amputate it um and i just was like i've got no chance so we got a second opinion and this other doctor was like no mate you can fix it like this basically <laughs> it was as simple as that it was literally that casual he's like no you can fix it like this so he wrote it up in my notes gave it back to my surgeon the surgeon was like oh yeah i missed that <laughs> and i was like wow so that's how close it was to have like yeah. having one arm do you know what i mean so um i knew it was gonna be a long road physically but i didn't quite appreciate what it was going to be psychologically and emotionally um and yeah i mean it was a 18 month physical process of operations uh being stuck and do you know what my saving grace was in that time i borrowed one of my mate's dogs <laughs> right it sounds stupid doesn't it but i was literally uh the guy that used to run my local pub he sold the pub and they'd moved into a smaller apartment and couldn't have the dog and i said i'll have him i'll have the dog and that dog was my saving grace because I had no company for 18 months. And that honestly got me through it. It was unbelievable. Like the companionship. And I, it, it, that's what got me walking again. That's what got me through it. It was just a staffy. It was unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> but it, that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Though? Like how something like that, because obviously you couldn't really 
move, I, 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 I would imagine. I mean, you got like, no. and then obviously getting, it's that, it's though, isn't it? It's that thing of refocusing the mind. It's that thing to focus your mind on, isn't it? That thing. So you're not just thinking about, oh my God, this, this has happened. This has happened. I can't do this. I could have lost my arm. I could have like negative, 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 but you've yeah. had something positive to put your mind into, didn't you really? And obviously to talk to. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was. And I was talking to the dog. It sounds like I was losing my mind. But like the thing was, it was almost just like, just knowing someone was there. And I knew I had someone. It gave me that purpose um, because it allowed me. I knew that if I didn't get up to open that back door, the dog was going to shit on the floor. So it was, that's, that's generally how much I broke it down. And I, they talk about climbing mountains, don't they? And they say like, like, obviously don't look at the top, just look at your feet one step in front of the other. And that was literally all it was, was one step in front of the other for me because I was so low in terms of everything, I just needed to put one foot in front of the other and get there. And you also, in times like that, you notice who your real mates are. Oh, absolutely. Who, yeah. who comes and sees you, do you know what I mean? It was some people I didn't expect, do you know what I mean? And it was, yeah. um, like one of my mates turned up, and I was okay, mates with him, I fairly knew him quite well. He used to drink down local with him, or he used to play a bit of football with him and that. He's quite a bit older than me, and he popped round and he started crying because of the state of me. And I was like, ah, this is a big Turkish Cypriot bloke, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who was a professional footballer in his day, to be fair. And he was like, the state, yeah. And then just cried and walked out. And that's how bad it was. I was just like, that. wow, do I look that rough? <laughs> <laughs> so you say you had, like, you had like 18 months and stuff like that of kind of rehab and stuff. And so what's the kind of process after that? When did you go back to, did you go back to work? Did you, what, what did you kind of throw yourself into? Well, Funny enough, I was working for Chelsea Football Club at the time, um, and I because I was like a, an apprentice or whatever you want to say, um, I was doing my coaching qualifications, and I was on a zero-hour contract, so I didn't get any money apart from the statutory sick pay during that 18 months. At that time, I was fortunate, I was still living home with my family, so it didn't really matter too much, Yeah. Um, and I, I couldn't go and do anything, so it made no difference, do you know what I mean? I spent my money on box sets <laughs> like obviously pre-Netflix but um, yeah looking back on it it was I, I was desperate to go back to the coaching but it was quite an expensive job to do so you were driving around to schools you were driving to training grounds do you know what I mean bear in mind training grounds in Cobham I was driving to the other side of Essex London so um, for me that just wasn't feasible so I went and got an agency job in a factory because I just needed the money come back in and I was determined that I was going to give life, life another crack um, and I did what did I do? A year at this factory. Hated every single minute of it. Oh, mate, it was horrendous. Uh, but yeah, I just needed to get myself back out there and doing something, really. 18 months of kind of rehab and stuff. What was the kind of thought process? What was your kind of... Was it that I'm going to get up? I am going to do this. I am going to do this. Or was it a kind of... It wasn't originally. I thought yeah. I'd given up to start with. Yeah. Um, for me to start with, it was a bit like, this is it. Because like, I think... You know what it's like with doctors. They're never going to tell you the best case scenario. They're going to tell you the worst case scenario because they're trying to cover their asses. Um, so for me, all I was getting was rubbish, rubbish, rubbish constantly. Um, so I was, yeah, basically really not that interested. Um, I'd given up. And then something clicked. I was like, I've got to give this another go. Um, I don't know what stage that was. But... Um, I started going out again, even though I was struggling. One of my mates would pick me up and take me down to the pub or my mate would we'd go out and 
sounds stupid, just go and have a coffee in a shopping centre or something like that. And it was just little things, just gradually getting back into things. Um, and you do have to change your mindset. You have to... Yeah. Um, I hadn't come across vision boards and things like that at the time. It's something I use now. Um, but yeah, I wish I had that then because it was just that, just that little thing. Um, and then I read Bruce Lee's book, which is just thought that was for me. I didn't even realize that he'd had an accident in martial arts and was told he was never going to walk again. And it was that what, every day, just dreaming about walking again and doing this, that, and the other, and going to be better. And yeah, that was it. Like, something clicked in my head. Was you kind of telling anybody how you felt then? Was you like, like you oh, say, no, not at all. Not at all. No. Kind of wasn't the dumb, wasn't the done thing. wasn't the done thing then. wasn't the done thing in my family. Um, um, I'll, talk, I'll talk about it a bit later, but yeah, my brother didn't understand it at all. Um, he was just like, come and get on with it. Um, I don't really have a particularly good relationship with my dad, so that was out of the question. Um, but yeah, it was, there was no one, no one really that I felt comfortable enough to talk to. Yeah. However, looking back on it, I probably could have done. But hindsight's a great thing, isn't it? Brilliant, isn't it? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and then, like I say, like going back to what I, I talked about on the documentary was that one of my mates just pulled me to one side and said, mate, something's wrong with you. What's going on? Do you know what I mean? Like, it was like, he's, he described it as talking to a, talking to a ghost. Um, it was like a bit of an exaggeration, probably, but the drama queen. Um, <laughs> but I was just wasn't there. I was looking around the room the whole time and I just wasn't listening to anyone. Because it's had like a million and one things in your head, where you you probably be able to explain what your situation was like. But I just felt like there was not voices or anything, not quite that hysteric, but just genuinely wasn't. I wasn't with it. Yeah, it was like over and over analyzing everything. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. We'll we'll get onto the documentary in a minute. Um, but yeah, I, I was. I'm, I can I say I'm, I was like that. I just it, f- it felt like you was just live like you live in this little your own little world, don't you? And you just mm. just like a zombie. Like you just think about any any little thing, you just make it into a massive massive thing. And I I, I was very similar. I didn't say I didn't say a word to anybody. But like similar generations and stuff. We talk about generations on here a lot about. You know, you just you, men don't talk, men don't cry, men don't do this, men don't do that, and um, it, it's just it's just crazy how you just can't sit down with a mate and go, do you know what, mate? I've had a real shit day today, and this is why. And it's just yeah. amazing how how that's just not the done thing. Mm-hmm. I think it's really yeah. Strange. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Some but, people don't understand it. No, that's the thing. Like we, I, I had um, a friend of mine, Becca, on the last one. And she was saying, awareness is brilliant. All this awareness is fantastic. But if you don't understand why, then it, it just it doesn't so This is This is something that I brought up when we were talking on um, talking before around this. And I said, that actually, it's not the people struggling with mental health issues that we need to address. It's the people without it. It's the people that might have it but don't know about it. It's learning how to ask questions. It's learning how to listen. It's not learning how to talk. Because we all know how to talk. We all know how to sit there and go, Colson, mate, do you know what? I'm, I'm really not feeling great today. We all know how to say that. But unless the person on the other end knows how to listen to it and ask the right questions and whatever, we're never going to get anywhere with it. So for me, we're addressing it completely wrong. That's just my opinion, to be honest. Yeah, it's a real topic for discussion, I think. I think, it, mm. like, like you say, with, with people like 
like us and stuff who've had a little bit of mental health issues and stuff. But I still have a mate now who just says, that's ah, fucking sort yourself out and then talk about something else. It's Yeah. Uh, no, um, I must admit, like, I've been with my missus a little while now. Um, but she's brilliant for me. She's absolutely fantastic because she is just black and white. And that's what I need sometimes because yeah. I don't need someone sitting there telling me I'm great. I don't need someone sitting there telling me, oh, everything's going to be all right. I need someone to say, do you know what? Get it out and get on with it. And sometimes you do need that tough love. It's finding that balance in it. It's like you, need, you do need that person to talk to and shoulder to cry, cry on or whatever you want to call it. But you also need that person giving you that whack on the arse going, come on, mate, get out there and get on with it. Um, everyone has a different role in your life, don't they? You don't realise it, but look, like you say, hindsight's a great thing. Like people mm. come along just at the right time, just when you just when you need it. Like, and I had that. I had that when obviously when when I went through my divorce. That was just that, that was that critical moment I needed. That that realization I needed to go and to go and fucking like you said, just fucking get it out, get it out, and move on, and kind of obviously start talking about it and. That's just what I needed. I just needed help. I didn't realise it, but then I, I just needed help in whatever way that was. Like, yeah. and stuff like that. And well, I, I don't even know if it's help sometimes, is it? Uh, I know you're similar to me in a sense. That you're, you're competitive. You're, you're comfortable in yourself, but you also like to push yourself. And actually, I think sometimes it's just that guiding hand. You mm. just need that person to show you in the right direction sometimes. Um, and for me, I'm... I'm overly proud at times, probably, but I just needed someone to hold my hand for it. You know, that sounds ridiculous. I'm 16 stone and six foot three, but I needed someone to hold my hand and go, come on, big boy, we can do this. <laughs> it's like, that was it. Like, I didn't need someone to sit there and listen to me for hours on end. Um, I just needed someone to show me what I was capable of, really. I think so. Yeah. Um, so, you kind of career wise and stuff, so you, you, Boxing was boxing always your kind of thing? Was it? Throughout I've always been, yeah, I've always, always been around it. Love the sport. Love what it stands for. Um, I started running some championships, uh, like the boys' clubs championships in um, 2016, 17, 2017. Uh, ran that for a number of years, and then I started working for England Boxing, so the national governing body. So your FA, I suppose, of boxing. Um, on a much smaller scale than my hand. Um, and I was, yeah, got involved with that and got involved with the coaching. I run my own local club um, alongside a fantastic team of coaches. Can't take anything away from them. Um, and it's been my saving grace. 100% that club is fantastic for me because it's that feeling of giving back. Um, I learn from every single one of the kids in there. I learn from all the coaches. Um, working, look, working for the national governing body was fantastic as well because it gave me an opportunity to meet some good people. Um, I've travelled a lot. I've seen a lot of things. Um, it obviously has come to an end, that job now, because I've decided to move on to a less uh, selfish career. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, boxing's a, great, boxing's a great sport, and you see it now being used more and more and more, and I, I like to use the word sexy. I think boxing's quite sexy at the minute. It's a bit of that AJ effect, uh, yeah. where he's come on the scene. We've done a lot of work with AJ, and just a... He's a he's a beaming light. He's really um, people smile when they're around him, unless he's punched them in the face, obviously. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a great sport to help kids. It's a great sport to help um, adults. 
um, and it's used in so many fantastic ways. And you'll find probably up in your region as well, on the worst estate where nothing can function, there's a boxing club thriving where there's no issues with behavior. There's no issues with mental health. There's so much that boxing can do that other sports can't and who they can access. Um, so yeah, like I say, I'm not, I'm not working in boxing at the moment. I'm working in teaching, but it's, um, it's been really good. So would you, like you say, it was your saving grace. So how, when did you, when did you kind of transition from, you know, being in rehab and thinking, thinking the world's going to end, then going, was, oh, it, was it the coaching? Was it the coaching thing? And you kind of Yeah, went, I've always, I've always been interested in coaching. I, um, I like, I'm not a teacher. I'm not a teacher. I like to think I'm more of a coach. Um, I'm not one of these life coaches that's selling themselves on Instagram. Um, I like to think I'm one of those people that, yeah, I could turn something into a picture. I think everyone learns differently. I was one of those kids that I liked doing. That was how I learned. Um, I learned by seeing and doing rather than listening and writing. Um, so for me, if you talk about learning, learning styles, that would be mine. Um, but yeah, I've always enjoyed coaching and coaching the boxing as well. Was, a lot of the kids walk in the gym, they've got nothing. I mean, they really have got nothing. And I talk to um, talk to a lot of good people in the sport and they say exactly the same. I'm, I'm in quite an affluent area compared to a lot of these boxing clubs. Um, yeah, it's, it, the coaching's been really good to give something back. It's that sense of reward, that sense of... Yeah. Um, it's, good, it's, a, it's an easy win in terms of achievement because you're not, it's not based on your achievement. It's based on, based on other people's. Um, so depending on how far you push yourself, you can really achieve something, whether that's football, CrossFit, weightlifting boxing whatever it is I think that ability to give back to someone else that's just you can't match it yeah it's a, it's a great feeling it's the reason I kind of started Very, like we are quite similar like I was the same like I, I wanted to give something back I didn't want I didn't want people to think that they couldn't I don't know what the word I'm kind of speak about things do you know what I mean like I, I want people to see that I, I can do it so if I can do it then other people can do it and stuff like that. And mm. I, I think it is like, you're like you say, it's like, it's that coaching thing in it. It's like, if you put a lot of time and a lot of effort into someone, you see them do really well. It's, it's yeah. buzzing. It just gives you that buzz of like, you know, I've, I've it's, not, it's, not, it's not even based on doing really well. I think it's just seeing them grow as a person. Yeah. Um, and knowing that their life's better off since you've been in it. Um, I look at some of the kids that I've had through the gym and I, mean, I can't name any names obviously, but, uh, we had one kid that come in the gym that was quiet. Clearly, you could see he was struggling with his self-esteem. Um, struggled with a bit of a twitch. Um, and now, oh, you wouldn't even recognise him. You know what I mean? Like he can control it. He can, but he's also walks into the room and he's high-fiving people. He's fist-bumping the adults and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's just a different kid. And that, for me, is a bigger win than anyone winning a national title or anything like that. Because you, you know that he's now a better child or a better person because of that gym and because of that sport. Um, that's what coaching is all about. If you go into it with no expectations of getting anything back, you'll always win. You can tell you, you can tell you, you're really passionate about it, aren't you? Like it's, yeah. it really did, it really did kind of push you, didn't it? It kind of pushed you into kind of helping yourself a little bit more as well. Do you think it really helped you as well? Yeah, massively. It gave me, a, gave me my, my, gave me my why back. Uh, my why has changed since. It's not the be all and end all for me anymore. I'm passionate about it, but I can quite happily hand it over and do less now. I'm taking a step back. I've obviously got a young family on the way and things like that. So 
it's um yeah for me it, it, things will change along life as they do but for me it was that that gave me that get up and go do you know what I mean it, it consumed me and as you can tell I'm, I'm mad as a box of frogs I'd do everything 100% or nothing but it was yeah it gave me that kick back yeah, uh, I think someone described it as someone's giving you your bollocks back and it genuinely was <laughs> no I, I I get that sometimes you just need that don't you you need that you need to like I always say you need to find your passion like you need to find that thing in your life that you can really focus on it just takes you away from whatever's going on in here I think sometimes like if it is just writing stuff down or like you say finding that career path or finding that something that will just drive you forward instead of always kind of see for me I've always thought like I could have done more I think I think it, I think it's for me with my school days being a bit disruptive you know what I mean? I felt like I'd, I, I could have just given a little bit more. I mm. think that I think that's why I found this, like doing a podcast, is absolute. Like you said, I think this has kind of this has saved me a little bit. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. It's that. Yeah, it's that finding out why, isn't it? That motivation, but also it's that feeling of giving back and whatever else it might be. But it's surrounding yourself with the right people. Do you know what I mean? Like you're getting. Like I've listened to quite a few of these podcasts now and you're listening to actually like you're getting some really good people on there and you surround yourself with the right people mm. um, and the environment you create for yourself is so so important in life because if you're constantly in a if you like if you put yourself in a toxic relationship whatever it might be that can be like the worst thing for you you might not be doing anything wrong but that person keeps bringing you down or whatever it might be um, or that can happen with friends whatever can't it absolutely mate yeah Um so how did you um, how did you find yourself getting involved with uh, with a documentary that um, year? How, um, how did you get to it? So I uh, have been doing a lot with uh, Mind Charity. So I uh, was involved in a course uh, called Boxing Mind, which is a course that was uh, implemented by a good friend of mine, Matthew Williams, who does a lot with uh, Mind Charity up in the northeast, and he. Um, Basically, it, I started doing some shooting with it and started helping him with the course, getting involved with this, that and the other and ended up leading on it for England Boxing quite a while as well. Um, but through my charity, they said, oh, we've been asked to try and push people for this documentary um, and your story is quite interesting. And I didn't know if to be offended by that. <laughs> <laughs> um, first time anyone's ever called me interesting. Um, so, yeah, after seems like 150 phone calls with Archie, yeah, yeah. Uh, video interviews, pictures. I must have told my story a million times before I even got on the documentary. Yeah. So point, I actually got bored of it. Um, and then, yeah, that was it. I didn't actually know what I was getting myself into. I don't think any of us did really, did we? Yeah, it was, uh, I was, I know Archie, you see, Archie used to, used to, used to live up here and we used to kind of knock about together and stuff. And then, he, he kind of gave me, he gave me a buzz one day and he had like, he hadn't spoke, like rung me ever. And he rung me off Facebook. He rung me and I went, right. Okay. Uh, how are you doing big man? I've been commissioned on this documentary. I think you'd be really good for it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and then that was it. That was it. Then he went two weeks later. He went, um, I need to speak to you on the phone, like recorded phone. So I was like, okay, okay. Recorded phone. Okay. I need to speak to you on Skype. You got Skype? And then it was Skype. And then yeah. you need to do a screen test. Can you do, can you do an online screen test? I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, fine. 
and this was like months and like over and over and over. Yeah. It was um, it was stalking. the best thing was when I started digging through old social medias. Yeah, I'll come back that. to me. Goes, you said this in 2012 oh, or something. Yeah. Like that. I was like, that was like, did I? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so I quickly deleted like my old Twitter and everything like that because oh. it was from when I was like, like a teenager or whatever. I was like, Christ, I was horrible. <laughs> he goes, um, can you let me into your social media? I went, no, not a chance, not a chance. He went, no, oh, I need to go through your social media. So I was like, oh man. Luckily, my Instagram's private, so you can't see that. But then mm. you get Facebook memories, don't you? So I was like going through my memories every day leading up to when he was going. I was just deleting all the all the jokes, all the stuff, deleting everything. Yeah, um, yeah I'm a, I, I've not got a, I like to think I've not got a bad one in my body, but some of those things that came out were pretty uh, <laughs> risk gay. It's when I was slagging off all the sportsmen off all of and stuff like that. And uh, I was just uh, making sure I was covering my back. But um, Mine, the, one, like, the main one he goes, I, I, he said, I found a tweet about Eurovision from 2013. <laughs> and I went, oh, Christ. <laughs> God knows what I would have said about Eurovision. But. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we, we kind of got put onto this documentary and it was, um, we was told it was uh, based around mental health and sport. So I was like, oh, it's fantastic, isn't it? Like, so we, yeah. we, got, we got told it was a little piece, wasn't it, for Match of the Day, wasn't it, on FA Cup final day. With Dan Walker, who was just going to have a kick about. Have yeah, a kick football around. focus, wasn't it? Yeah. Football focus, that was it, yeah. He was just going to have a kick around with Dan Walker, have a bit of a chat. And that was about it. And then it just kind of, it's just weird. It escalated, wasn't it? didn't it? Yeah, it just kind of. Yeah. Got... I think we all met the night before, didn't we, in the hotel in Cambridge? And um, I, I remember us all sort of sitting there working each other out a little bit, weren't we? Because <laughs> yeah. I've, so I've sort of sat there on my own. I just had a pint of Guinness watching. Uh, I was watching the Tottenham game on telly um, and all of a sudden Archie came over and introduced me to Paul um, and then uh, yeah uh, and then I think you came over and all this sort of stuff and it was just one thing after another and I was a bit like sat there going well, what and then um, yeah we were just sort of trying to work each other out a bit I think weren't we because we were thinking right we're going to have to open up to these lads which is obviously still yeah. alien and, you know, yeah. yeah yeah he was like so the, the initial premises we was just gonna, we was going to talk like we got told we was we was going to talk to each other. Yeah, we thought it was like five side set up, didn't we? And then yeah, sit in the change rooms and have a chat. Yeah, and then the night before we was just kind of sat there going, "Oh my god, I've got to have to tell him." Like uh, I went through a divorce and I've got depression, and now I'm sat here in Cambridge and I've got to tell him on yeah. camera and stuff. I was like, "Man, this is going to mm. be tough." But um, yeah, no, it was a, it, it was a good day, wasn't it? Um, yeah, it was. To be yeah, fair, no. it was. Yeah, it was great. Good work out a lot. Um, so there was, there was Tom. Obviously, there was uh, Paul, uh, another fellow northerner from Donny, Paul, and then there was Steve Huntley from. Uh, he lives near you. Does he live near you, Steve? Yeah, Le- yeah, Essex, Leon City, isn't he? Yeah, and there was Steve. Yeah. The way the documentary panned out, it was quite funny how they worked it out. Because I went through kind of bullying as a young age, and then um, you went through kind of injury kind of rehab didn't you mental health through injury and stuff mm. so uh, steve went through he lost his dad didn't he a couple of months before the document yeah. so he went through like kind of grief and paul went through kind of yeah. body image so they went through like four really big kind of male mental health kind of sure linked well to yeah, the yeah, footballers was, as well but you know they did it it was real clever clever yeah and then um 
so yeah, we, we kind of met up the night before and then the next day we all kind of got together on a documentary and kick, had a kick about and within five minutes my calf exploded. And then, uh, mate, I was in agony. You don't, oh, thank mate, God. my boots fell apart. Yeah. I literally took my boots off at the end of the day and the bottom of my boot fell off. I was all cross. <laughs> I was trapped in a bin since. I've actually got the kit still and I'm going to, might get it framed with a picture of us lot. I think that'd be quite a good idea. Yeah, I've got the kit, yeah. I've got my spare shirt sign as well, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, So your kind of thing about the documentary, your, your story came across of, you was paired with Jermaine Genus. Um, so we didn't know these footballers were there. So we, we played football, didn't we, in the morning. And they didn't, didn't kind of cut it in, didn't they, and cut it out and cut little bits in and cut little bits out. And the main thing was we got paired up with footballers and stuff and we didn't know there was there. And then we got all lined up and then, Crouchy came out the first time and we was actually like slagging off spares like all morning how because <laughs> we're both spares fans and we was just like going oh I can't believe oh shit spares was for fucking Danny Rose oh he should have scored he should have scored he should have scored and out comes Danny Rose <laughs> yeah yeah and I was it's funny thing about Jermaine Genus coming out and me being paired with him was my brother as a kid was a Newcastle fan so I had Genus on the back of my spurs shirt and my brother had Genus on the back of his Newcastle shirt <laughs> and then to be paired up with him it was just mental. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I, was yeah, like, I did tell that. I told him that as well. Um, so yeah, and then out come all these footballers. And we was like, oh wow, this is great. Being Spurs fans, I was like, oh, if Harry Kane comes out, I'm gonna lose my shit. And then um, <laughs> Thierry, Thierry Henry, obviously Steve lost his mind. It was just, it was just a weird experience, I think, for me. It's just weird, like seeing all these people in the what, like eventually what you became a part of. I think the programme, I think the programme came across okay. I think they could have done it. Like, we, 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 yeah, they have. we talk a lot, don't we, about it could have, it could have been so much more, it could have been so much a bigger thing. Well, I think especially as the, um, like Prince William's done this uh, extra minute before the game and everything like kicking it off so everyone can have a chat and all this sort of stuff. But I don't think it was acted on very well. Um, I, that's no slate to the people involved. I think the people involved were fantastic, but maybe the people with the schedules. Because you look at what it could have done. I yeah. think it done decent viewing, didn't it, on iPlayer? Yeah. But if you had that at prime time, just before match of the day, or I'm not, because there's no swearing in it, so it doesn't have to be after the watch show, does it? Mm. Um, for me, it was just, it missed every opportunity it had to make an impact. And that could have changed so many people's, um, people's lives. Yeah, it was. The main premise of the what sort of what sort of reception did you get afterwards? Me, oh yeah. man, messages of people I ain't spoke to in years. Oh, you on yeah. telly? I've just seen you on telly, that kind of thing. But the main feedback I got was because I was doing a little bit of this kind of thing before I got onto the onto the TV show and stuff. So um, people were like, "Oh, it's going to make a massive difference." Thank you, and, and I got like my Twitter went mental, like. Uh, I sent I sent a tweet out to, to Dan Walker I think just after it and then people picked it up and stuff off the hashtag and that and it just went mental like oh it's brilliant it's brilliant thank you so much for opening up and telling you're going to help so many people and your story of you know bullying and stuff like that was great and yeah the, the, the feedback was fantastic and like Archie's told me that like it, it did really well like on the iPlayer and stuff but I think like the main premise of 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 the TV show is to get men talking, want to get men talking around sports. 
Yeah. Whenever you talk around sport, is to talk about other things as well. And then the, the prince, the prince was great. Like I thought, the prince, I thought he was a legend. He was funny, taking mm. the piss out of Crouchy and stuff. And he was. Um, it had to be light hearted, didn't it? You couldn't have gone in with a sombre actually. But it had I, to be light hearted. I thought he was really good. I mean, obviously mm. that's his job, and it? it comes across great. But um, I thought he was he was brilliant, and he gave us a little bit of time at the end, didn't he? Like give us ten minutes to start a bit of a chat with us all and stuff, and he was really good. But yeah, I think that it really. I think the repeat that went out the other week. I think that really missed a trick. I think that to go out at what midnight, like. Well, I had a conversation with the new guys I worked with because a lot of them didn't know I was in it. Then I sent around a thing on the group chat, whatever, just saying, "Oh, if you get, if you're still up at midnight on Saturday, fancy <laughs> watching some bloke on the telly." Um, yeah, so I'd get yeah, caught caught to midnight. I mean, I watched it on iPlayer the next day, even though I've seen it before. Obviously, got it, but yeah. I was just like, I, just thought, I didn't even stay up for it. I just thought, like, out of protest more than anything. <laughs> really, but the fact is, I like my sleep. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's, it's never going to pick up traction, is it? At that sort of time, um, and I think I look at you know, yeah, like some of the people obviously from the BBC were fantastic at that time, but they were um, they're also completely oblivious to us and what we've done for the, the documentary and I'm not sitting there blowing around trumpets and saying oh yeah this is we should have been looked after do you know what I mean but to volunteer I know we had a fantastic day and give up so much uh, sensitive information it takes quite a bit I think yeah it, it, it was a big thing wasn't it I think for, for all of us really to sit and mm. chat with a professional yeah. sportsman or a celebrity that you've you've seen on the telly just to sit there and like for that, for me talking to Danny, it was weird because I've seen him the night before on playing for space. <laughs> and like yeah. I, I had to literally tell him that I, I went through a divorce and I was bullied as a kid and I, I really struggled. And it's just like, I thought it was, it was just really, I don't yeah. know, it was a weird sensation, I think. Weird sensation. Yeah, 100%. What was, yeah, what was your kind of feelings afterwards? What was it? What was your kind of? So something that I didn't. Let out, I was going through my toughest spell of mental health at that time. Mm. Um, I'd come out of a really bad relationship. Um, was really struggling with mental health at that time. Probably the lowest I've ever been. I think. Really. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just, yeah, I was. I'm sitting there on telly telling people to talk to each other, but I was actually sat there really struggling. Um, <laughs> but go, go, yeah. I was, I was in a bad, bad place, you know what I mean? Trying to take my own life, um, really sort of struggling. Um, and that was, I think I just let everything brew up really badly. And the whole thing around the show just escalated that massively. I think where I started talking about things and actually started trying to be positive again, it just brought me crashing back down to earth. Um, and I got a bit of a shit reception afterwards, actually. Um, yeah. I, I, two things stand out for me after the documentary was I, I was in Audi shopping just doing my weekly shop and some woman come over to me and started cuddling me and I was like Christ <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a bit old for me love but <laughs> do you know what I mean and then she was like thank you we were sat watching your documentary and my son opened up to me about how he tried to take his own life and I, I can now talk to him and to get help for him and I was like that, that was amazing for me and then on the spin side of that I got a message on Instagram from some bloke saying um, what a fucking coward you are you'll need fucking help when I'm done with you and all this sort of stuff like proper going for me 
I sent that message to the BBC, just like, right, this is what you need to be looking at. Um, and I just, me being me, sort of, I'll, I'll take anyone on head on sort of thing. I just laughed at him, but I, I messaged him back saying, um, I hope everything's all right, I'm here if you need me, kiss. And funny enough, he didn't reply to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking this whole online trolling thing. I was just like, yeah. yeah. It's like, how can you look at a mental health documentary and start trolling someone? I thought, oh, that's what's wrong with the world, isn't it? But yeah, no, I was struggling at the time, but I'm obviously good now. But yeah, it was um, yeah, it was quite a difficult time actually. So you mentioned you were struggling at the time then. So was it was it just a to- was it a toxic relationship? Was it that did you just fall into a bad relationship and? It kind of just kind of dragged it down a little bit. I don't know, we've been together a while. I was up like the November before the documentary. So it'd been a little while, but it just kept on popping back into my life. Um, not that I was going, really going back to it or anything, but it was like I'd get not, not particularly nice messages, not particularly nice emails. Do you know what I mean? It was coming left, right, centre. I had a couple of death threats from people. Um, and yeah, it was. It was tough in that sense. Um, but, yeah, I just think everything got on top of me a little bit. And I said, you know, have you ever sat there and asked, yourself, what am I, am I a bad person? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you sit there and you think, I don't know what you do, you fucking feel yeah. like shit, don't you? Yeah. Um, and that's how I was feeling at the time, just feeling really rubbish. And, uh, yeah, basically, I got over the top for me, couldn't handle it. And, yeah, just, yeah, really tough time. But, I think when I tried to take my own life, I was at breaking point. But I also needed that breaking point to understand where I was. Um, obviously, it didn't didn't work out how I'd planned it to. But afterwards, I sat and cried to my mum. I sat and had a chat with her. And it was probably the chat that I needed because she explained what the effect it was having on other people around me, which is obviously horrible to hear. Um, and a lot of people say that's quite a selfish way of looking at it, but actually sometimes you do need to realise. Yeah. Um, and she basically said to me, if you're going to do it, you might as well take me and your brother with me, would you? And I was like, I was like, why? She goes, because we don't want to live without you. And that was the eye-opener I needed, um, and I can't thank her enough for that conversation because she's the reason that I'm probably the best I've ever been. When I sit here now, mate, and I am the best I've ever been, so I'm the happiest I've ever been. I get up every morning, early I train I do this that and the other but it was that conversation that helped me or I don't know it helped the right word kicked me up the arse and got me back going I think it's, it's that realisation isn't it I think that's what what it is it's a realisation that it's it's not just you isn't it it's it's the people around yeah, you yeah massively and I mean I don't think when people sit there and say you're selfish I don't think you are because at the time everything's so crap that you don't give a shit what's going on around you Mm-hmm. Um, you're not you're thinking about that your your vision and your mentality is so blurred because of everything just dark that you end up doing stupid things um, and yeah sometimes you need someone to open your eyes someone to sit there and go right this is what you're doing um, and that was my mum that done that do you know I mean? she's always been blunt but cross she woke me up that day do you know I, mean? <laughs> I think for me it was I think it was therapy. I think it was. It was therapy that did it for me. Just a completely, like, a complete stranger. And also, mm. literally, it could have been. It could have been a brick wall. Yeah. And she just like just prodded me with a stick every ten minutes, kind of. 
That's a good question. Yeah, I went, I, went, I went back to therapy after that conversation. And like you say, you sat there. For me, it was just because I'm a visual learner. It was having someone sit there and put your, put your life into a picture. Yeah. And go, right, you need to organise this. You need to put this in this compartment and organise your head like a drawer. Do you know what I mean? I know that's quite cliche, but that's what I needed. I needed someone just to explain things to me and help me get things out there. Um, and I started looking at my relationship with my dad, started looking at things around how I treated people because I'm not, none of us are perfect. Do you know what I mean? So a lot of people sit there and go, it's everyone else all the time. We've got a real blame culture, haven't we? Um, and I listened to that Ant Middleton's book recently and he said about this victim culture. And I've never heard anything more true. We all sit there, we're all victims, aren't we? And we all sit there and go, oh, this is terrible in my life, this is that. But actually, sit there and spin it on his head and go, do you know what, how am I affecting other people? What am I doing to make myself feel better? Um, and like going to therapy, come on, mate, you can't get braver than that, can you really? Yeah, I always say that. I always, I always push therapy. I think therapy is brilliant. I mean, it doesn't have to be as clinical. It can, it can just be, I went to like a, like a teaching, it was like a therapy teaching center. So they weren't like full on clinical. It was, it could literally have been like, like that woman who hugged you in the street. It could yeah. literally have been her. I could have just stood there for an hour and just talked to her. It was, it was just the fact that it was just, she just found a way to kind of explain things like when I was a kid and stuff like that. And it's that realization of, do you know what? I, I wasn't a bad person. It was just, it was just, I did deal with it right. I just didn't go about dealing with it. Like you said, the build up, the build up, the build up, the build up, the build up. And then I just, yeah. that, that one day, I just, I, I popped out of this, this world I was living in. Like this, this little yeah. bubble I put around myself. And like you say, like, it's the realization of the other people around you. You don't know how you treat them because you're just focused mm. on, on yourself yeah. and stuff. And I was treating people. Oh, like I, I became a complete arse. 100% started becoming an arsehole I started like I just shut everyone down like if someone tried to pay me a compliment I'd tell them to do one basically I was just in my own little bubble being a knob 99% of the time and the not time I wasn't was probably after a few beers and I was telling people I loved them <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was like that it's weird isn't it it's weird yeah. I like I always tell people yeah. If you actually sit down with, with one of your friends or sit down with somebody and tell them your story and you tell them, you will find a connection somewhere that they've been through something you've been through yeah. and you've been through something like they've been. And it's just amazing how stories yeah. connect and yeah. you can kind of like bounce off each other and say like, no, I've tried yeah. this and you know, and just talk to them. Yeah. Which, talk about Lincoln experiences. My brother's never understood mental health in the slightest. Uh, his best friend took his own life a couple of months ago. And to have your younger brother ring you in tears, do you know what I mean? A really difficult thing to hear, and yeah. And about three or four weeks ago, my brother sat me down, socially distancing, obviously, <laughs> um, and said to me, "I finally understand what you've been through. I finally understand why you felt like that." Because he was always he'd always get aggressive with me when I tried to talk about it before. Yeah. He'd shut me down, but now he said he just sat there, and it was you know. It, it, it's a heartwarming moment when you have someone that you just shut you down for so long and not understood it, sat there and gone, Do you know what? I feel like I'm going through it now because I've lost my best mate. He's taken his own life because of this and he felt this way. Da, da, da. And it was, yeah, just sometimes our experiences can bring you on a level playing field with someone else, don't they? Yeah, I think like the, the big thing I took away from the TV show, and it's, it's a big issue with, with, I think, with male mental health as well, is you're not on your own. 
you know what I mean? Like, you're from down south, Essex, Steve's Essex, and Paul's 40 miles away from me. But it's like, there's these people all over the country that are going through something very similar to you. You're not on your own. I think that's one of the big feelings I felt like. We're all so different as well. Yeah. You know I mean? We're different, but we get similar at the same time. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, me and Paul were on the one show. Uh, the one show, sorry, the breakfast show, whatever, yeah. a couple of days before it was aired. And we sat there. And if you sat me and Paul next to each other, we couldn't be more opposite. Do you know what I mean? I'm, a, I'm like crouchy next to him. Do you know what I mean? But, and he's this, but he's the most loving, caring person. Do you know what I mean? And we had sat there and we laughed and laughed and laughed. And we sat there and had a couple yeah. of beers with a burger each or whatever in this local pub or whatever in Manchester couple of like complete strangers to the area just sitting there laughing their heads off and you know it was fantastic because it makes you realize that doesn't matter where you come from what you've been through what you dress like what you look like you can be nice to people and you can get on with them and you can make their life a little bit brighter and sitting there with Paul that day I sat there and went I think I took a selfie and sent it to my mum saying I have a good catch up before we go on TV tomorrow and she sat there and she went wow look at you you're having a great time (laughs) But it was, yeah, it, was just, it just goes to show, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? And yeah. we all, I mean, I've kept in contact with you. I've kept in contact with Paul a little bit. I t- speak to Steve now and then, but we sort of, grow, like, we will get together at some point, obviously. But yeah. it's, um, yeah, we're so different. You've changed a career now, obviously. You've gone into, you've gone into teaching, I think you said, didn't you? Mm. So kind of teaching. You said you'd never be a teacher. And now, now okay. Yeah, so I'm a, I say I'm a teacher. I, I work with young people that have never been accepted into education. So non-mainstream uh, alternative education which is fantastic but do you know what it's, it's given me a thirst for education in the sense that I'm sitting there reading now a lot more I'm learning about different things and how trauma can affect you because a lot of these kids have had things done to them or had trauma in their early lives and it's affected them going forward um, and nobody's accepted them because of that because of the way they behave but actually it's other people's actions that have caused their actions um, so it's really opened my eyes to things um, I don't, I like to say, I'm, I'm not a teacher, but I can teach, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. It's just a form of coaching, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. essentially. A lot of these kids just need someone to look up to, do you know what I mean? And yeah. um, it also, everything's around structure, isn't it? Structure in our life is so important. So we talk about routine a lot with mental health, don't we? And I mean, I've listened to some of the things you were talking about recently and about how having habits and having routines is so important to having a positive mindset. If you look at, the people that are struggling the most and I'm I'm probably hold my hands up and say the same and I think when we've had conversations before you could probably hold your hands up as well is when you've got the lack of routine and lack of structure that's when you're struggling the most isn't it yeah yeah it's that sense of pain yeah. I think I think that's a massive thing is finding that finding that passion and finding that sense of purpose mm. yeah my- I think with these kids they're similar do you know what I mean because actually like a lot of mental health issues have established themselves by the time we're a teenager so a lot of them are going through similar things, but maybe early on than we did. And unless someone steers them back or shows them that they can be something, what are they going to do? Do you know what I mean? Well, um, no, it's been brilliant chatting to you, buddy. I really appreciate you coming on. No worries, mate. How are you all right? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, I had, uh, I had a friend of mine pass away the other week. It's pretty sad. Um, yeah. I won't kind of go into it a little bit. It's, yeah, it's sad, mate. Yeah, it really is. Um, he was mm. he was part of the, the the kind of talking group we got. I kind of got involved with and stuff. And yeah, man, very very sad, very sad. But yeah, it just yeah, but... it just hits home that like you like 
your kind of story. That could have easily makes, it makes life real again, doesn't it? That could have easily been me. If I if I haven't if I hadn't done what I what I did, that could have easily been me. I mean, I, I look back now and I think I, I wouldn't even want to contemplate what I would have been like if I hadn't. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I won't be. I won't be slimmer. I'll be still be eighteen stone, but. Do you, know what I mean? do you ever do that? Do you ever, do you ever just have a little reflect and look back and think, do you know what, if, if I hadn't done, say if I hadn't have to, done it, or if I, if, if I hadn't changed jobs, or if I hadn't done this, do you ever just sit back yeah. and reflect? And, well, you, you have been? to, do you know what I mean? Like, if, I'm a strong believer in everything happens for a reason. So there's no point sitting there saying this was a mistake or that was terrible. And actually, I'm, like I say, I'm in the happiest place I've ever been. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I've got a fantastic partner, a fantastic stepson. Uh, having a baby in August, so everything's good. But without those hardships and without that struggle, where would you like? Where would you be? Do you know what I mean? And I'd probably be sat with the same knobheads I used to hang around with and drinking the same beer and talking the same rubbish. But fortunately, it's put me in a good position. It's put me along the right path. And um, I was funny enough. I was listening to another podcast, terrible, on it, the other day, and. Um, that's it's Dylan Hartley, the England rugby captain, the old England yeah. rugby captain, was saying he wouldn't be where he is without struggle. But how do you make your kids struggle without actually struggling? Yeah, do you know what I mean? That's that's so true, isn't it? How do you make someone struggle without actually struggling? I think you. I think like you have to go through it, don't you? You have to go through these tough times to to kind of figure out, figure things out. I think it really does. Figure, it really does kind of sort you right out. I think, and mm. fortunately, some of us go through it. When we're kids. It makes you more resilient, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, think, I really do. I, I totally agree with that, mate. Yeah, but I know I know you've got to nip off to work, so I won't keep you too long, buddy. Um, yeah, but no, it's been no, definitely, mate. No, any anything else, mate? It's been great chatting to you and seeing your seeing your lovely yeah. face. I ain't seen you for a bit. Well, once he's looked, once he's looked. Yeah, I know, mate. I'm probably <laughs> a bit rounder than last time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um. But after this is all over, mate, we'll have a catch up and we'll do a live podcast. Yeah, and, um, yeah, yeah. Get some good people on it and chat. We um, we did say like after the TV show, like everyone does, oh, we'll stay in touch and all stuff like that. But we generally have stayed in touch, and it's been brilliant. Like honestly, chatting to you today and obviously being in touch with the Steve and Paul, and it did it 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 it, it did make me feel like I had like a group outside my normal group. I could just we have a group on. Facebook and we just send each other messages every now and then and mm. checking in on each other, which is absolutely yeah. fantastic. And you know, I, I really do like. I look back and think, you know, thank God I went on that TV show because I've met some brilliant people from it. Do you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. Funny enough, I'll, I'll tell you a little story before we finish. I was sat there. No, sorry, I went to a birthday party one of my missus' friend's birthday, and I was talking to her friend whose birthday it was, and I said to him, I said, "Where do I know that girl from over there?" And she was like, "He was like, oh, she." She works in my documentary. Did she one of the biggest? She goes, and I was like, "Oh, cool, lucky I didn't say anything bad." You know I mean? But it was um, just a small world, really. Like just at the same birthday party as me. But um, yeah, we've, it's nice to have someone impartial as well. Do you know what I mean? Because obviously we didn't know each other before all this, so it's nice to have people to chat to, and sometimes that you can just unload on. Yeah, like just someone who's completely, completely outside your circle, just to just bounce ideas. Completely out of the loop. Yeah, I think that's I think that's great. But on, on to, honestly, mate, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing yeah. your story a little bit more. Um, I really do appreciate it, buddy. And yeah, sorry if I went on a bit, mate. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like with 
like with anything, once you start talking about something you're passionate about, I mean, it's, I mean, we haven't even talked about spares, so I, yeah. I think that's a whole different. I don't want to get upset again. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no brilliant, mate. It's good to catch up. Yeah, man. All the best. Send my, send my love to your family, mate. And um, yeah, I'll uh, stay safe and hopefully, fingers crossed, in a few months' time, we'll, we'll have a beer. Yeah, mate. When the baby's born, come down and we'll have a couple of beers. Thanks, mate. Enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, Enjoy good. your day at work. Yeah, you too, mate. Take care, buddy. See you later, mate.